galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adherent of the Mechanicum, or a brave mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find a home here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. That'll, that'll be sweet. Uh, but yeah, I but yeah, think... man, those ships are so cool. And now that I'm seeing them all lined up, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but I'm just hyped about it, right? <laughs> um, but now that I see them all lined up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's how these fucking ships are different. I'm like, okay, I'm putting it all together now that I see them all out in front of me. Yeah, like once, once you start playing a little bit, you'll get a very good sense of like, maybe not like, oh, that's a lunar versus a whatever, but you'll be able to look at it and be like, all right, so it's got like a couple of lances and like between six and eight weapons battery. You know what I mean? Like Exactly, yeah. I'm able to look at it. So real quick, on one of the extra little plastic ones I had, I made that. I don't know what it is. It's got uh, no weapons on the top. It's a, it's a cruiser. Uh-huh. And it's got the broadside cannons, not the lance weapons. What are those called? Just... Uh, so is this, is this an Imperial Chaos ship? It is Imperial. All right. Yeah, macro macro weapon batteries. Okay, so I noticed I didn't have one of those. I had a lunar. I had the one that has the cannons in the flight bay, and then the cannons and the lasers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't have one that had double cannons on both sides. So I finally put that together. So now I think I have every version of a cruiser for Imperial, which is what I wanted. I just wanted like a kitchen sink so I could try it out one day, you know. Mm-hmm. So the double weapon batteries would be a Tyrant, right? Wait, if it does, if it has, if it has no double cannons, yeah, that that would be a tyrant. Is it legal? Uh, yes, Kinda. because even though a tyrant, a a tyrant is very specifically not a legal ship. However, uh, thanks to Dave and his wonderfulness, <laughs> uh, in book I think four is it that has That's, like a blurb right. on the yeah that has like the blurb on the Imperial Navy. Uh, it lists out a whole bunch of like cruiser types and frigate types and all that sort of thing. Uh, so I really like I literally, if you look at the BFG rules, it's got like I think it's called the Crusader. It's like Crusader class cruiser, it's just fucking. It's a tyrant, but with a different name to make it like heresy legal. Oh, gotcha. I mean, honestly, I don't I don't care. I just wanted it for I guess aesthetics, if nothing else, you know. Yeah. No. Uh, I think because I also used it to plug some other holes. Because uh, I really don't want it to be one of those things where like somebody has they're dusting off their old BFG fleet, want to like repaint for heresy and be like, oh fuck, well I can't use this ship. Sure. Yeah. And I th- I think we're now at the point where everything, uh, minus maybe some of the like Grand Cruiser, Battle Cruiser types, um, but for those, if you knock the lances off the top, like they're they're a viable heresy ship. Cool. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, man, I am just so psyched for this. All right, so I have four light cruisers of two different variants. Uh-huh. Uh, they all have the macro weapon batteries running down the, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, the sides. I don't know what yeah. the port Navy starboard. is. Port yeah. starboard uh, macro batteries. And then one of them has what looks to be lances on top and the bottom, and the other one has a lot more torpedo bays in the front. Yeah, so that's... They're both Dauntlesses. They're um, just different versions of the Dauntless? Yeah. The Dauntless is, I think, the only ship, at least in the original BFG, that has two different weapons loadouts. 
that you could take multiple ships of and still be called the same class, which is a little weird, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, that was so confusing about uh, buying them. I was like, wait, this is the same ship, but what? Yeah, well, it looks different. None of the other yeah, ships look Yeah, I'm like, what, what is happening? But yeah, no, um, I really like the Lance Dauntless, and I think I've kind of spread that through our meta a little bit. Because uh, they're just so nasty. Oh, also, the torpedo dauntlesses, like, it's 110 points, and if you take two of them, you know, that's the same price as a dictator, the carrier, but it's pumping out 12 torpedoes, like, with a 90 degree turn in there. It's nasty. Oh, whoa. Yeah, because I mean, each dauntless has six, right? So you take two, and you just run them around, kind of use them like oversized cobras, and dump 12 torpedoes onto oh, people. Right, huh? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, Austin, let me just jump in here real quick because it, it is um, book three, page 15 of the Black Book, um, Warships of the Great Crusade. And if anyone wants to just have their mind uh, blown, check out page 15. And that's, it's a three-page spread, but page 15 is really where it's at because if you look at the battleships, these are some of the noteworthy classes of battleship, right? Goliath, Victory. Gloriana, Infernus, Retribution, Emperor, Tiamat, which in parentheses says Shield Bastion, Ironclad, Warp Spite, which is a Battle Barge in parentheses, and then Dictatus and Mortis Rex. So, Austin, how many of those uh, ship classes do we currently have? Uh, you mean like are still in 40k? Right. Like in normal BFG? Yeah. Um, fuck, I'm trying to find the picture you sent me so I can really get down the list. Uh, two or three. Yeah, maybe two or three. And and that's like if you go into the specialist games publications and you really go down the rabbit hole. But the amount of work that went into... However, I will, I will say yeah. Shield Bastion, yeah. that's an actual ship. Um, I, don't, I think it's named diff- something different, but before Battlefleet Gothic... Uh, there was like space battles or something like that, and there was an imperial cruiser or battleship variant that just like gave nearby ships shields. Yeah, that's so I exactly do like that I'm they're they're throwing that. they're throwing it back old school like. Yeah, like it sounds like it would be a, a, a um, uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever played Eve Online, but that's the analog I'll use as a logi ship, which is a logical ship or uh, that you know supports the rest of the fleet. And they can, you know, restore shields and that kind of stuff. So a shield bash would be awesome, just like throwing void shields on ships and that, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to go out and say that the folks that are in, and I think I've said this before, but like the folks that are at the helm right now at uh, Forge Worlds and Specialist Games have a history uh, that runs deep in Battlefleet Gothic. And... um just seeing seeing what's in writing here uh, and thinking about it and the, the love that's been given uh, to Void Warfare, um, it's going to happen, guys. We're going to see it again. I don't know where it is in the queue. I don't know if it's uh, after Titanicus or... Uh, somewhere between 18 months and two years. Uh, okay. Everything got a little wonky when they pulled Titanicus back. Um, so, like, the cycle got off a little bit. Uh, but it was supposed to be Titanicus and then Battlefleet Gothic. Um, but with, I think what they're doing per like sources that aren't going to go onto the podcast is, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm here in true name. All right, here we go. Like, you sons of bitches. Um, 
but like everything kind of took a pause when Blood Bowl did so well. You know, Titanic just came in plastic and all that sort of shit. Um, so yeah, eighteen months to two years. Do you think Austin? Do you think we'll see a Battlefleet heresy? So do you think we'll see like Battlefleet Gothic come back with the Horus Heresy tagline and in the set in the Horus Heresy setting? They might. They might. They've, uh, they've already it, said they are. Yeah, it would be a resource save for them. Wait, wait. They do Steven, just like they did the Titanic. Wait, oh, well, fuck. Here's, here's all the same ships. Do it again. Do you have Do you have a source to back that statement up, Stephen? Uh, they. I remember seeing. I don't remember which blog it was. I don't remember where it was, but it, it was a leaked um, Forge World document that laid out what the plans were for Battlefleet Gothic when it comes back. It will be set in the Horus Heresy. Uh, highly speculative that it will the scale is going to change, the size of the models, which I personally, I don't think that's going to affect us one way or the other as long as they keep with the same general, everything well, is measured from the stem. And the big problem would be is if they decide to hop on the uh, flight path. Um, yeah. Oh right! Like or, if they do something like uh, X-wing armada, where it's like movement dials yeah. and that, and sticks one and of that the kind things, of stuff. Yeah. I don't mind the like dials, like you orders beforehand or whatever. That's kind of an interesting mechanic. But I really hate for a capital ship game it to be fucking flight flight path. Like we're talking, yeah, for the next half hour, like in like you know real time for your game. Your ship is doing this. Uh, P.S. It can't slow down like a fraction of an inch a second to miss that asteroid. Just fuck. Like I really like how BFG there's that there's that minimum move, but you can finagle it. Was it Aeronautica Imperialis like the flight pattern? Yeah, I don't mind it for for fighter craft games because each one of those turns is supposed to be like one to three seconds of actual time. So yeah, like that, you're just you're using the the movement to to just be like, yeah, your fighter's going this fast. Like it's too quick for you to react like that. Like your reactions are the action. But on a spaceship where you're going like, you know, a trillion miles in half an hour, like you really couldn't have slowed that, like sped it up a little bit to go a trillion in one, or like you couldn't have slowed it down by like. Five kilometers to like not do that thing. I don't know. Just a pet peeve. Um, but to the point, or rather continuing, uh, Horus Heresy, different scale. Uh, they have said that they're going to do rules for uh, each legion, kind of like the way Richmond's Battlefleet Heresy does. Not to say that, um, you know, they get it from us. Stealing it wholesale. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I? I lost track of what I was saying. What is that noise? Why does it sound like my mic is in like a wind tunnel? Uh, it sounds like your mic's in a wind tunnel, and again, we can hear people speaking through your mic when you're not talking. Oh, is that why I can hear myself? It's the exact same thing as both Austin and Steven. You guys are both like hot mic and pretty hard. So push to talk, man. Yeah, I mean, 
a lot of heavy breathing going on. I know our listeners like get excited with this shit, but I don't want to make them overly excited. So yeah, we don't want them to just juice their chin. Only heavy breathing and Hulk titties. (laughs) I don't. I I don't understand. I've I've bought a new headset. It's It's all right, man. I'm sure it's the headset. Maybe hey, you're not Jared, so that's okay. We can actually hear you talk. We just don't want to hear the other shit that's going on in your life, Stephen. There's there's nothing happening. I think you guys are just talking too fucking loud is what it is. Maybe. I don't I don't know. Why is it God that's gonna now now I can hear it and it's gonna drive yeah. me insane. <sighs> Alright, so let let's troubleshoot this one step at a time. Start with the physical layer. Is everything plugged in correctly into the right holes? <laughs> Yeah, it's just a wireless mic. I, I mean, I just plug the you know, USB thing. Actually, Stephen, you sound perfectly fine. Austin, when you come online, it, it does get a little bit fuzzy. So, um, if- I don't know what the fuck. I, I literally have done nothing to this. Like, I have not touched my computer, I think, since the last time I was on. Is your beard rubbing the microphone? It is not, funnily <laughs> enough. I did That's make what sure it sounds that. like. Your big, burly beard just rubbing against the mic. Oh, you know what it might be? I got this fan going like a billion miles an hour. Good. There you go. I turned off the fan in my room and I was just yeah. sweltering in here. All right. so I'm literally like, putting oh, sweat no. into this into this cast. Yeah, I love sorry, how we're the, like, uh, it sounds like a wind tunnel. And we're like, where's the all future, this wind coming from? The future in-laws were here uh, and the computers in the guest room so they turned the fan way up. Good. We figured so, it out before we're going live, so we're all good, man. Oh, we're not actually recording right now? We, we are. We are I recording. mean, we are, but... Yeah, uh, th- this is potentially yeah. throwaway content, so it's okay. Okay, all right, I got you. Anyway, moving on. Um, all right, hold on. Give me give me a second, Steven. Can anybody hear anything on my mic? No, you sound much, much cleaner, dude. Much all right, cool. Cool. Perfect. All right, here we go. Does everything sound fine out of mine? Yes. You guys sound right. amazing. Very good. Very good. So, anyway... Uh, Forge World's intentions are to set Battlefleet Gothic in the Horus Heresy, um, and I have some theories as to why they're doing that beyond. Um, Wait, Stephen, is this some is this bullshit? Are you is this a link that you're going to share on in the in the show notes? I I mean I wish I could remember where I saw it. <laughs> God, dude. All right. So this is this is consider this the uh, consider this the mad fever dreams of a warp touch navigator. <laughs> okay. Just remembering, some, maybe, maybe you know, it hasn't even been actually leaked yet, and I'm referring to something that I had a mad vision of the future. I don't, I don't know. So take it with a grain of salt. Is obviously, it, was Samus talking to you? Because he he will gnaw on your bones. You know that. Yeah, but Sa- I mean, I've look, I've had conversations with Samus. He's a real self-centered guy. All he ever talks about is himself. All right. So Stephen, hold that thought. I think we should get into this. Um, can I? All right. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Dave, and this is the first time I've done this. So uh, welcome to a very special episode of The Retreat. We're doing something that uh, is a little off the reservation for us. We're going to go deep dive into Battlefleet Heresy, Battlefleet Gothic. Um, Ryan busted my balls a little bit last time because uh, I guess I got a little long-winded on... Uh, Battlefleet Gothic in Heresy and what we do here in Richmond. Um, but we're having a fucking great time, guys, and we want to share it with you. So what we're going to do today is we're going to dedicate this whole podcast to Battlefleet Heresy, um, what we've been cranking up for 
the campaign that's going to start on July 1st. Uh, some of the special rules that we've uh, written for Battlefleet Gothic set in the Horus Heresy and uh, how you guys can do this too if you want. So if you guys want to run a Battlefleet Gothic or Battlefleet Heresy campaign, um, how do you fucking do that? How do you make it work? Because we have the experts here with us and uh, we will save you some pain and misery down the road. So... Um, yeah, without further ado, uh, we're not going to do what everyone's been up to this week because I think we uh, want to save some time and just get into it. But um, I've got Austin here with me, the Grand Ad Admiral of uh, Battlefleet Heresy. Austin, say hi. Hey, happy to be here. We're, we're very happy that you're here too, sir. Uh, we would not do this without you. We've got Steven who is our resident lore master and uh, just a fucking crazy man who's been writing rules for uh, Battlefleet Heresy, Gloriana class battleships, and uh, bringing the heresy to life. Steven, sup? Hello. When I close my eyes, I see the gunnery table. It's probably true and, and uh, also sad. But we'll, uh, yes, thank you, Steven, for coming. And... Uh, Fuck, what do we've got? We've got Robbie, who's broadcasting from, like, what? Robbie, where are you, man? Uh, Maryland. Currently in Maryland. So Robbie is one of our dedicated Battlefleet Heresy players, um, and he is on the road broadcasting from fucking Tunnel in Maryland somewhere, so we hope you make it, Robbie. Um, and we've God, got Will. <laughs> Will, who is the architect of uh, everything... Uh, D43, which is going to become super important as we get into this later on in the in the episode. Uh, Will is normally our host, but uh, he has graciously let me take a turn at this for uh, for this special segment. So, Will, thanks, man. All right. He's the strong, silent type. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need your thanks. Perfect. Uh, all right, so that's the intro to what we're doing, guys. Um, and, you know, we've got a couple things that we are going to share with you. If there's anything you'd like to hear further down the road, um, please hit us up. Uh, send us a message on Facebook or um, hit us up on any, any one of the number of, of different uh, Facebook uh, chat groups that we're on um, because we will... Uh, We'll seek to do more of this, but let's get into it. How do you set up a massive multiplayer Battlefleet Gothic, Battlefleet Heresy campaign? So I'd say the first thing you need to do, um, I don't know, what is the first thing you need to do, Austin? I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, all right, so we're about to start next week our first Battlefleet Heresy campaign. Uh, when I was living in California, I ran two or three Battlefleet Gothic campaigns out there, so I've got some experience doing it. Quick shout-out, Harrow Hobbies. I, I gamed there. Uh, a lot of good dudes out there. It's fun times. They all have Battlefleet Gothic. Um, but the first thing you need, honestly, like the rulebook, uh, in the back of the main BFG rulebook is the campaign system. And it's, like, amazingly good. Um, pretty much what it is, it... It has a variety of maps in the back that are different subsectors in the Gothic War. Uh, and it's just, you know, a circle with the type of planet on it. The circles are connected by lines to show, like, stable warp routes and all that other nonsense. Uh, 
each player starts with one, and you kind of move across the map. You play a game, you win a planet, stuff like that. Uh, and if you're just starting out in, like, campaigns, that system is fantastic for everything, really. Like, you want to play a 30k game, just change planets to cities and go. Uh, it really is, really is good. But where Battlefleet Gothic kind of takes the cake for me in terms of campaign play is the amount of stuff that's happening on the table, influencing the map, and vice versa. Uh, so, like, if your ship gets crippled in-game, you know, just beats, gets a crap kicked out of it, its leadership goes down by one for the rest of the campaign because, hey, everybody that knew, like, the right prayer to push that button, all of them are dead. And nobody's going to push that button anymore. Um, which is a pretty cool thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would just say go balls deep in the normal friggin' BFG rulebook and uh, have a go. We're doing some stuff that's more advanced than that. Uh, like I said, I've run a couple of these now with tons of players, so we've had like I've had some chances to to refine it a little bit because uh, I think that they're set up as like a one-on-one sort of deal. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely the way Battlefleet Gothic was meant to be played, in my opinion. Like, um, if you know, if you've played the one-off, the sort of on one uh, Battlefleet Gothic games, then you've definitely gotten a taste of it. But it, Battlefleet Gothic really doesn't come into its own until you start playing campaign mode, because you know then you start to look at the victory point conditions and disengaging as an actual tactic, um, and it becomes a much more, I think, realistic, uh, you, you know, narrative. Uh, scenario and and you you don't want to just get in close and you know risk blowing up your capital ships to take out somebody else's capital ships you know maybe you just do a little bit of damage maybe that's enough maybe you cripple a few ships and then you disengage and you know you uh you know rot you know hit the mandible point and go to the next place man so. yeah uh so so for those of you that have just no idea what a bfg campaign is about uh it'll have the map like i said earlier but really, what you want to do is you want to have renown. Uh, you get renown by winning battles, you know, blowing up enemy ships, and not getting your own ships blown up. And it's that last one that's kind of key, because um, like Dave said, like you could go in, uh, and I've I've seen this happen in campaigns. You can go in, you can play a mission, uh, you can win the mission, but wind up with your opponent getting more renown than you because he managed to blow you to shit, right? So it's like a Pyrrhic victory for you. Um, and I've seen it the other way a lot, where, you know, hey, you're trying to raid that planet or, like, take an Aggie world or something, and your opponent comes in and kind of bops you over the side of the head. One of your ships is crippled. Another one is a little hurt. He looks okay, and you just think to yourself, man, it's not worth it. Like, this ship got all these cool upgrades. Like, And if it blows up, all those upgrades go away for good. So sometimes you just cut and run. And I, I love that because there are very few games, uh, even in campaign setting, that make you think, like, enough's enough, right? Like, we've all played those games where you surrender because you're getting, you know, uh, I've been pretty much tabled turn one or whatever. Um, but you never really play a game, or I haven't really played a game, apart from Battlefleet Gothic and campaign, where you kind of look around and go, you know what? 
the smart move is to like save my forces and come back another day. Yeah, ab- absolutely, man. It's uh, it's so much fun. Steven and Austin and I probably a two-month uh, three-player campaign uh, that just was all over the place. Um, you know, it, it was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I think it was also really it came down to the wire. So the very last, um, you know, the last mission, the last scenario, you had to hold on to uh, a specific planet for a uh, for more than a campaign turn to uh, to declare victory, but uh, but yeah, so let's get into this one because this is going to be massive, Austin. And I've never, I don't know, man. It's been a long time since I've done a multiplayer campaign that's this big. And you have, I mean, you've gone above and beyond creating the map for this thing. So I don't know how many players do we have right now. Are we are we looking at like nine or ten? I actually, there was just a dude on our Facebook page today that was like, oh my god, I'm moving to Richmond next week. Look at all my cool Battlefleet Gothic ships. I can't wait to play in the campaign. And honestly, I was sort of like, oh, well, I guess uh, balls. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. Can't tell him he can't play. That would just be rude. Right? No. uh, So I think we're going to have 10, maybe even 11 players for this. Um I mean, that's just, you know, yeses on Facebook. We'll see who actually shows up. But I'm excited for it, man. I'm excited for it. We got uh, a huge, huge map, something like 36 different planets, something like that. 36 planets. And that's like, so when you dig into the campaign and you look at, you know, how you gain renown and how you gain resource points, the types of planets are going to be super important. So... Um, I don't know, Austin, what, what's a typical rundown? What do you have? All right, so the way it works, like you said, uh, each planet gives you a certain amount of resource points, and as you gain renown, you get more of those resources, right? So picture the subsector where the campaign is being held. Uh, you might be like a Commodore or whatever. You know, you're in charge, technically, but you're not a high rank. And if you go to a hive world and are like, look, I need, you know, two million people from your planet uh, and the next like three months of your production that you were going to spend building Lehman Russes, I need you to build macro cannon shells. And they might just look at you and go, pound like space dust, nerd. And, you know, you're just sort of stuck with the little, the leavings they give you. Meanwhile, if you're some like, you know, segmentum famous admiral, they're giving you everything you want plus, uh, which is kind of a cool mechanic. So at the start, most planets aren't worth a whole heck of a lot. Um, like mining worlds, I think, are worth two. Hive worlds, forge worlds are worth three points. Uh, and everything else is worth one. Uh, and you use the resource points to fix your ships, right? So a ship has eight hull points. If it takes three points of damage, congratulations. You need three uh, resource points to fix the damage. So early days, when you have, like, you know, four resource points to your name, uh, and you get into a big fight with somebody and like two of your ships are crippled and like other stuff is damaged. Uh, people start flying with broken ships pretty, pretty soon, which is a cool mechanic. Uh, for this campaign, I created the map specifically uh, for the heresy. So what it is, it's set in D43, which I'm sure Will will get into later, uh, but it's kind of the area that Richmond 30K likes to game in. Uh, and because it's... The heresy, it's set right at the outset where sort of 
everybody's like declared who they're fighting for and shit's about to get real. So I've divided up the segmentum into, I think, nine or ten different zones where everybody will start off with six resource points worth of stuff. But that doesn't mean everybody has six planets. Uh, like, I think the smallest, uh, we have a Dark Mechanicum player, uh, so I set him up with his two Trader Forge worlds. Uh, meanwhile, our Orc guy is running around uh, and wanted to play, so we figured, you know, why the hell not? Uh, and I set him up with kind of five crappy planets, right? But they both are making the same amount of resource points. Uh, but it will it will alter the way people are thinking. And so you'll have loyalists and heretics everywhere. You got to say, oh, well, hey, maybe if I take, you know, this planet that's uninhabited and not worth a lot of points, you know, instead of like a mining world or a civilized world, it doesn't have as many points, but it'll hook up, you know, me and another one of the loyalist players, and that'll make us a little bit more powerful to like go crush the heretics or vice versa. So there'll be some cool like meta scheming above and beyond just playing games. All right, Austin, I gotta I gotta ask you. All right, so this campaign, if we um, have let's say three planets uh, that were allocated the uh, onset of this campaign. And uh, we start with a 2,000-point fleet, right? So our, our fleet is 2,000 mm-hmm. points. Um, are we dividing that fleet up between those three planets, or are we just going to be allowed to, you know, as we go into the campaign turn, you know, who we fight, you know, when we fight, is that going to just, we're going to just allocate resource points based on that? Not resource yeah, so, yeah, so the way regular... The regular, you know, from the book BFG campaign works is that your ships can fight anywhere. Like you don't say, oh, this ship is assigned to this specific planet. Um, how we're doing it is going to be slightly tweaked because uh, there's so many players. One of the things I learned from some of the other BFG campaigns that I've uh, run is that people get like people can get ganged up on so quick, especially early days. You know, like you said. Oh yeah. You got a 2,000-point fleet, uh, and if you roll, like, three battles, that's three games of at least 750 points. And you can very easily get attacked three times, and each opponent says, I want to play a 1,500-point game. And you're just sort of looking around, going, <laughs> uh, balls. Because your ships can't <laughs> fight in more than one battle per campaign turn, right? Yes, and so I've modified that a little bit okay, for, right. for heresy. Um, with a little, you know, hand waving. Hey, the warp routes are faster through this sec- through this subsector. That's why you know each side is so desperate to hold it. Uh, if you fight a battle, so say say your uh, your hive world is under attack, right? Uh, and you play that game, and you know you you beat off the enemy's attack, and it's fine. The ships that were there can also fight in any adjacent system. Okay, cool. So, so like one sis, one warp route over. Yeah. So like, if you're, you know, if you're doing well and you've got a ton of systems, but not a ton of like re like fleet to go with that. Like if you put all your points into like upgrading your ships instead of getting new ones or you know making deals with people, uh, you can get kind of overwhelmed and annihilated. That, but 
it just always kind of left a bad taste in my mouth for somebody to be auto set up for failure for a turn. Sure. Um, and I mean, it's going to be bad enough as it is because, like, yeah, you can use those ships twice, but you can't fix them in between times. So, right. I still don't want to. So it's a risk, and and I I love it, man. Um, no, I think it makes it feel really, really real. And um, I know Stephen has written some rules to go along with that, uh, specifically for this campaign that. Uh, we'll get into in a second here, um, but I think I think that covers most of it. When when does this end, Austin? Does it ever end? Uh, well, so you know what they the say: there is only war. <laughs> there is only war. Uh, so eventually, we'll be transitioning to forty k fleet lists, and uh, <laughs> no, um, so that's actually the something. Scouring. Yeah. yeah, that's actually something that uh, when we have our first sit down. Uh, on the first, I'm going to talk to people about because there are a couple of different ways you can end campaigns. Uh, one of which is the sort of traditional I have X number of renown. Uh, in this case, it would probably be my side has X number of renown. Uh, you can also do it um, by having a certain number of systems, like a certain percentage. You can say, hey, uh, whichever side you know holds both the hive worlds or all the forge worlds or whatever. Uh, so there's a couple of different ways to end it that, uh, you know, it'll vary. If you want to play, you need two-thirds of the system of the systems to win, that's a long-ass campaign. Uh, if you want to play, hey, first side that gets to 100 renown wins, you know, goes a little quicker. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see on that. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome, man. And you know what? We're kicking off uh, July 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm sure that we'll still be playing. So uh, come hit us up at Nova. Let us know, uh, you know, uh, what you think, and we'll tell you where we're at. Um, if we haven't been able to do another special segment before then, but uh, yeah. oh yeah, I will be at Nova. I'll like my fiance plays. She's not going to Nova, so I'll have two fleets. So like, you want to come roll dice? Hit me up uh, after thirty k. Yeah, absolutely. There'll be a couple tables. I'll say this now. There'll be a couple tables uh, in the open gaming area after hours at Nova where I guarantee you you'll be able to get a game of Battlefleet Heresy. And drink some Skippy. (laughs) Rob, are you doing Skippy all three nights, Robbie? Because we'll all be dead. It's over for some stuff. Awesome. Not Saturday night. I got a painting seminar <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> Can only get but yeah. so hammered at this age. Perfect. No, that's awesome. Um, I'm super psyched for this. Uh, this is huge. Um, hashtag Battlefleet Gothic. Definitely not dead. Um, Battlefleet Heresy lives. Um, so, you know, hey, thanks for everybody getting on board with this. Um, you know, if you build it, they will come. Uh, big shout out to JP and uh, uh, Miles and uh, Mark at Age of Darkness, who I think kicked this off uh, like months and months ago, if not a year ago, with a really good learn to play uh, series. So if you have zero idea what Battlefleet Gothic is, go to Age of Darkness. They've got like a six um, series learn to play Battlefleet Gothic. Uh, episode, right? So it's it's just part of their podcast. Um, it's a really good intro. Uh, Mark does a really good job of taking people through that. So um, shout out to those guys. And yeah, uh, fucking probably in two years, we'll have 
you know, new Battlefleet Gothic and new ships. But until then, that's just a beautiful system. So um, have fun. And we're going to talk to, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to talk to Steven about some of the awesome rules that he's created for uh, Battlefleet Heresy in this campaign. So we'll be right back. Cheers. I really like being like the rules guy. That's kind of cool. I mean, you did write all those Glorianas. That I did. All right, guys, uh, we're back for the second segment here in Battlefleet Heresy, and we've got Steven, our resident lore master and uh, heresy rules uh, writer to talk about some of the rules he's incorporating for Battlefleet Heresy and this campaign uh, specifically. So, Stephen, man, uh, yeah, start us out. What, what, uh, what are we talking about? Uh, so, the big thing for Battlefleet Heresy, if um, no one's figured that out quite yet, is uh, playing the Battlefleet Gothic rule set within the context of the Heresy. Uh, and what we did in order to do that was we took a conglomerate of the Imperial Navy list, the Chaos list, and the Space Marine fleets, all three of those. We kind of dug through them, sorted through them, figured out which ones were period accurate, and we put those all into a single fleet list, uh, otherwise referred to as the Heresy fleet list, the Crusade fleet list, whatever, whatever era you want to refer it to. Um, so... What you get, in effect, is a single legion I'm fleet. I'm, I'm sorry. You mentioned crusade list or heresy list. So Correct. I'm going to play ignorant here. And is crusade list because we allow xenos? Uh, well, initially, when we first wrote the list, uh, it was referred to as the crusade era list, um, with the kind of understanding that the fleets that fought in the heresy were more or less expeditionary fleets, just throwing their weight against each other. Um, so they were still organized, and they were still comprised of Crusade-era vessels. Um, since this focuses more on the Horus Heresy as opposed to the Great Crusade, we don't have Xenos uh, as of yet. Uh, so we thought it would be more appropriate to refer to it as the Heresy-era fleet list. Okay, so we don't have, like, Orc players or Eldar or anything like that? Uh, if I could well, we do have... For a second. Yeah. Um, so, like, like Steve said... We wrote it as a crusade list and then realized that everybody just wants to play heresy. Um, so all the rules, like all the modifications made to BFG affects like the Imperial and Chaos ships, right? They're all put together into this sort of crusade era list, um, which we're calling the heresy fleet list. But we do sort of use the terms interchangeably. Uh, as far as Xenos goes, there is no reason whatsoever. Uh, and we've had like bog standard orcs, and there, there's going to be an orc player in our campaign. Uh, but also like Eldar, Dark Eldar, uh, Necrons. If you wanted to get really like weird about it, there's no reason any of those could couldn't be in as well. I do like that we have the orc because I feel like in every naval campaign there should be some pirates out there, right? Wow! Yeah. I'm I'm actually pretty excited for it. It's like you know the remnants of Ulanor. <laughs> you didn't stamp out that fire quick enough because you're murdering each other, and now look who's back. Awesome. All right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt and take momentum out. I just wanted to clear things up as to why it started out as Crusade. Nope. 
go ahead. Um, so to uh, continue on that, a single fleet list of the heresy, uh, a legion list or a solar auxilia list or a mechanicum list, as it just so happens, we recently added that in there, uh, will contain ships from three different fleets. Uh, mine, for instance, I use a large variety of chaos ships as my capitals, but all of my escorts are Space Marine and Imperial Navy. So that's kind of fun. Um, but the biggest, one of the coolest things that we've done for this, I think, adding a little flavor to each fleet, is when you play Battlefleet Gothic and you just use the Imperial Navy fleet, the Chaos fleet, uh, there's no real difference beyond fleet composition between two Chaos fleets or two Imperial Navy fleets. Uh, so what we did was, the natural thing, and each Legion fleet has its own bonuses. Um, also, the Legion fleets, and sometimes Solar Auxilia fleets, if they are lucky, get access to uh, Gloriana battleships. Now, we did get a lot of questions about Glorianas when we first started doing this. Um, and initially, we thought we were probably going to keep them out, because if you read the books and you see Glorianas in action, they don't play games. Uh, at Nuceria, for instance, in, in Betrayer, uh, the Fidelitas Lex, the Conqueror, and the Furious Abyss, just three ships hold off uh, an entire Ultramarines fleet. But, but Steve, within that, like, and so, Ariana and Conqueror, right, like, Conqueror was probably a much smaller ship than either the Fidelitas Lex or the uh, Furious Abyss. I, I could be wrong, though. Um, there's, each Gloriana is unique, so there's not a whole lot of information as far as the physical size and the physical characteristics um, between Glorianas. Certainly we know that the Furious Abyss is larger than both of those because those those were the biggest ships constructed at the time, and I don't think anything has been built since that's bigger. Um, so they're the, the biggest, fanciest ships that, uh, that are available to play with. Unfortunately, we don't have rules for the Abyss-class ships yet. Maybe we'll work on that. Um, but to that point... Uh, we didn't want to write in rules for Glorianas and then not be able to balance them properly. Uh, thematically, one Gloriana on the game, on the on the table, should be able to handle a fleet of roughly 1,500 to 1,700 points worth of ships. Uh, Glorianas just don't care what you are. They're going to blow you up. Wow, really? Really? So the Conqueror, you think the Conqueror could handle... 1,500 points of, uh, of opposing ships. I mean, absolutely, if, with Latora Saren, you know. But. Yeah, if, well, if we wrote the well, rules course, to be know, as perfect. accurate as possible to the books um, and to the, the source material that we have, uh, Glorianas were the flagships of the Primarchs for a reason. Uh, they're the biggest, baddest ships in the Imperium. To that point, there's only 20 of them. Right. 18, 20, depending on who you're asking and what records they're allowing you to view. Uh, so yes, if, if we wrote them, you know, to be accurate, then they would be able to pretty easily handle uh, an enemy fleet of that size, even without all right. escorts. All right. So, so without like giving us all 20 Gloriana class specifications, like give us something that probably everybody wants to know, which is, I don't know. Uh, you choose, Stephen, but give us one Gloriana class vessel, break it down for us, and uh, yeah, just tell us uh, where you came up with it. Uh, sure. We'll, we'll talk about um, everybody's favorite, uh, the Conqueror. 
because what uh, the vengeful spirit come on get out of my house the conqueror has giant harpoons that it shoots through space it's like a it's like if ahab was a spaceship the remembrancer's retreat is in the vengeful spirit that's true i mean you're i mean you're he does really have you there the right now, he does so. have you there yeah. heavy sigh fine we'll talk about the vengeful spirit since Robbie no, wants no, to talk no. about the gentle let's, spirit, let's we're going to talk, talk about, about both of them. How about that? I, okay, I like that. Let's talk about All both right. of them. All right, so All right. Um, right off the bat, what we, in, what we ended up doing with Glorianus, we wanted players to be able to have them and field them because they're thematically cool. So what we ended up doing was we took the basic template of a ship. Uh, in the case of the Conqueror, we took the Retribution. In the case of the Vengeful Spirit, we took uh, a Battle Barge. And in order to field the Gloriana, you use that class of ship, and then it has a, a handful of um, modifications made to it, uh, which are reflected in its points. So, right off the bat, we'll take the Conqueror. Conqueror is built off the Retribution, so for the most part, it is a close-range brawler. Uh, lots of weapons, batteries firing out both sides, lances on the top. Uh, but what we added to the Conqueror is that it has, instead of torpedoes on its prow, it has the famous Ursus Claws. And what we did for those, we wrote them in such a way that they fire like a weapons battery, or sorry, like a lance battery. And if one of them hits the enemy ship and damages it, the enemy ship immediately constitutes as being under the Burn Retro's special order, which means that it can only move up to half of its full distance. So real, really get, is severely slowed down uh, after these Ursus Claws hit home. And then if the Conqueror initiates a boarding action against a ship that is stricken by the Ursus Claws, then they get a plus five modifier to the, to the following boarding action that takes place. Um, and this is in addition to modifiers that the Space Marine ships already have. Glorianos already have plus one for being space marine ships, they already have another plus one for being the vessel of the Primarch. So you're looking at a plus seven modifier uh, from the Gloriana, or from Dude. the from the Conqueror. Oh, that is so that is so awesome, and uh, and and so badass. So so four plus to hit, right? So you're using Lance rules. So four plus to hit uh, any capital ship that the uh, Conqueror fires at, and then that. Is, is there a minimum distance or a maximum distance that it can fire the Ursus Claws? How far can the Ursus Claws shoot? Uh, I will check momentarily here while I scroll all the way down the document. It's uh, 30 centimeters. I would say. Ah, there we go. Austin's, Austin's got, his, got his head in the game. Uh, additionally, if you are stricken by the Ursus Claws, you have to pass a leadership check every turn that you are hit in order to dislodge them. So if a turn goes by, the Conqueror hits you, you're slow. Next turn. It didn't board you yet, but it's coming for you. Leadership check. Oh, you failed. Guess what? The Ursus Claws are still stuck in you. You're still slow. They're coming to get you. Oh, man. I love it. No, it's it's perfect. Um, oh, that's so good. I can't wait to see it in the game. Um, yeah, that's... It's so brutal, because, like, you can only be on one order at a time, so if you really wanted to brace... And instead, your guys are still like trying to get the Ursus Claws out of your friggin' ship. You know, a bad time. So, Austin, that's um, not technically yep. true. So, actually, you can be on a brace order, 
and be on another order, the brace order just replaces the other order, which is fucking crazy. And it's in the 2010 compendium. So yes, you're, you, you are generally speaking correct. However, uh, Conqueror is a mean bitch, and that's not how it works for her. So, so when you get hit by the Conqueror, you just, you just basically yeah. so think, think about it. burn retros. I got that. that makes sense. Yeah. So, because yeah. otherwise, yeah. you get hit by the Conqueror, you say, all right, well, I'm just going to brace for impact, and then the next turn, like you're not on the burn retros order anymore, so it wouldn't apply, right? Well, you'd still be on the burn retros. I'm just saying that the if you were on burn retros, you because you were hit by the Ursus clause, you could mm-hmm. still brace for impact. But brace I, for yeah, impact, yeah, it's a different set of modifiers. Yeah. So if you're under brace for impact, you can still move your full speed, and we really didn't want people to be doing that. Yeah. And what you can't do while those Ursus claws are stuck in you is reload ordnance. Looking at you, dictators, sticks. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, man. No, if you've got Ursus slap claws a carrier with one of those yeah. puppies, and uh, it's not going to do much until the conqueror reels it in and then just kills everybody aboard. Yes, yeah. When I when so so, all right. So how fast does the conqueror move, Stephen? It's based on a retribution, right? So what is it moving? Twenty, twenty-five, ninety yeah. centimeters. No, no, no. It's it does, not moving. It does, it does not go ninety centimeters. <laughs> Wait, what are you smoking, Robbie? Uh, it is it's not a fast ship. No, she is not fast, but once those Ursus Claws are in you, she doesn't have to be. Uh, yeah, she's going like 15 or 20 is a 20-centimeter uh, speed ship, so she's going to keep coming at you. So does she get any uh, bonuses to her hull points? So what is she at, 12? She is still a 12-hull uh, point, four-shield vessel. Um, for the that's, most part, only badass. two of the Glorianas have any differences as far as defenses go. Uh, the Death Guard Endurance is a 13 hull point retribution, and the Salamander's Flame Rot is a 5 shield, 12 hull point retribution. Woo! Wow. Yeah, no, I like it. No, it makes sense, man. Um, uh, that uh, That's awesome. How many points? Uh, the Vengeful... Not, whoop, I'm looking at the Vengeful Spirit. The Conqueror is 455 points, compared to the Retribution's original 365 that's a bargain, um, dude. What's, what's the deal with the uh, Fist of Iron? So the Fist of Iron, the Iron Hands, is another retribution. And what we gave the Fist of Iron, uh, Iron Hands automatically pass. Uh, or no, sorry, not automatically pass. They get to re-roll the first round of Brace for Impact saves made against shooting. Uh, so the Iron Hands are giving them a, essentially a four-up re-roll. The Fist of Iron adds a plus one to that save. So the Fist of Iron has a re-rollable three-up Brace for Impact save. Uh, when she is not under Brace for Impact, she just has a six-up. So she's kind of a she's kind of a tough bitch. She's hard to stop. Cool. Uh, but Robbie wanted to talk about the Vengeful Spirit, so let's scroll on down and talk about her. Yeah. Uh, clocking in at 659 points, and based off of the quote-unquote chaos Battle Barge, which essentially just adds lances where they used to have uh, weapons batteries. So all friendly vessels in the same fleet as the Vengeful Spirit gain a plus one to their leadership value, kind of representing Horus's charismatic Holy leadership. Shit. Yeah. So, you know, say maybe you got a couple of ships in your fleet that are skirting uh, nine hull point or nine leadership. Hey, Vengeful Spirit's here. Everybody's leadership 10. Have a good day. Uh, 
the Vengeful Spirit conducts teleport attacks from 25 centimeters away instead of the usual distance and has an armor value of six on all facings. So normally a Chaos Battle Barge has five. It's, uh, it's a faster, but it's a lightly, more lightly armored uh, variant of the Battle Barge. The Vengeful Spirit doesn't care. It's six up all around. Good luck. Yeah, when you're daddy's favorite boy, you, you get the best Christmas presents. That's right. Um, the 25 or the extra 25 centimeters is good for teleport attacks. She doesn't have to get quite as close to teleport just Aaron Terminators onto your bridge and kill everybody there. She automatically comes equipped with Terminators, which gives uh, a fully terminated out Sons of Horus fleet. Uh, one, two, three, four ships with Terminators. Normally you can only have one. Determination. Wait, wait so, so Steven, isn't that part... Oh, say that again, uh, Dave. So, uh, Legion rules that you made for, uh, for the heresy, isn't it the Sons of Horus part of their special Legion rules is that they can take extra Terminator boarding parties? Correct. Um, in most cases, unless otherwise stated, i.e. Sons of Horus, a Legion fleet can only have one uh, ship equipped with Terminators. The Sons of Horus gain Terminators for free on its flagship, and two additional ships may upgrade their Astartes to Terminators for 15 points. Uh, so if you are really you know, paying out the big bucks, then you can have three Terminator-equipped ships, which makes them even harder when it comes to hit-and-run attacks, and teleport attacks. Yeah, that's such a powerful man. I mean, like, because Terminators usually cost you 50 points, um, and you can only take them on your flagship. But, uh, yeah, if you're playing Sons of Horus, you got those Jesterans, and you're just bringing the pain, um, you know, every turn, man. If you can get within teleport distance, which is normally, what, 10? 10 centimeters, I think? Yes. Yeah. And shields down, right? Yeah. Correct. So you could have Terminators, if you were playing the Vengeful Spirit and a Sons of Horus list, you could have Terminators on four capital ships. Three. Correct. Four. Uh, four. So um, this will actually require some editing and some clarification later, it occurs to me. Uh, the Sons of Horus gain Terminators for free on their flagship, uh, which nominally means that it is not the Vengeful Spirit in a campaign. Sure. However... Any fleet battle or any battle in which the Gloriana is deployed, that Gloriana is automatically your flagship. So in a simple pickup game, the Gloriana is your flagship and gets Terminators. In a campaign game, um, in which the Gloriana may not necessarily have been your flagship in the fleet, maybe you got it through appeals, um, you, a situation may arise where you have uh, a ship equipped with Terminators that was your flagship, but is giving up command because the Vengeful Spirit is here. If you're playing the, uh, if you're playing against the Sons of Horus in a Battlefleet Heresy campaign, do not let them get close. Bottom line, up front. Which is really true for a lot of, uh, of the Legions, actually. They, they kind of excel the closer they get to you, the harder they hit. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think it's, it's I mean, spot on. Guys, isn't that the way all of legions are? I mean, look at the the trusty bolter, right? It gets better the closer they get. Their attacks become better the closer they get. It's just the way legions are. They're just meant to get in close and fight, you know. Yeah, that's true. Our our BFH fleets do them all a little different. The Jesterian terminators are coming at you with the sons of Horus. The Emperor's children 
are just terrible, terrible human beings or post-human beings, whatever. Quote, quote, human. Uh, so all of their all of their ships drop your leadership by one if uh, they're within, I think, 10 centimeters, 15 centimeters? I believe it is 15. Yeah. Is it because you can hear the sounds of the box and what they're doing? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, like in uh, Medusa, when they go on board the uh, Emperor's Children vessel, or not a Medusa, uh, Damnation of Pythos, and they're like, what, what, what's on the rub? You know, what's on the walls in here? They're like, oh, it's just fabric. And they're like, no, man, that's like skin. That's skin that's hanging yes. down from the wall. That's person, and the person is somehow still alive. Yeah, that, that's the sort of creepiness that's going on there. Yeah. Although I got to say, for, for pure fluff, uh, my favorite of all of our. Her designs are the white scars. Their like fleet ability is engine upgrades. That's like the one thing we know about white scars fleets is. I think scars is the one that specifically mentions that uh, the Khan had only one rule when he uh, put in the orders for his legion's fleet, and that was make them go fast. So oh, yeah. all of them have. And then uh, what's his name? Fucking Fulgrim uh, was like talking and the kind's like i hear you do weird things to your ships and then he like busts back he's like i hear you do weird things to your warriors yeah <laughs> right? he did yeah, yeah. oh yeah so Man. for for white scars and uh, battlefleet heresy if you have a capital ship that is normally slower than 25 centimeters speed you have to give it an engine upgrade you can give any capital ship an engine upgrade uh, it's not a huge amount of points. It's like 10% of whatever ship. Uh, yeah, it generally it comes a, out to about, you know... Um, so it's like 15, 20 points. points. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty cheap upgrade. And they all automatically pass all ahead full. Because what do you want to do? You want to go fast. So there'll be all up fast, in your You gotta ride slow. Dude, they're, um, that's like ridiculously uh, fast. Like, especially the auto-passing, the all it like, that... Like, when you play an orc player and they get the auto pass, and you're like, damn, it's crazy. But they're only getting, like, the, what, 2d6 or 1d6 horde? They don't get the full. Yeah, it's like 2d6 or something. Oh, dude, just imagine the white scars. They're going to be up in your shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and it's it. a bit of a two-edged sword uh, because it is kind of random. So you'll be fast, but somebody might be friggin' 30 centimeters ahead of the rest of your fleet. But worth it, I feel? I think for Fluff, my favorite um, rule we did was for the Night Lords, um, which initially involved some bonuses to hit-and-run attacks, but Austin and I gave it some thought, and we decided that makes them too much like the Sons of Horus, so let's make them, you know, a bunch of crazy murderers. Uh, Night Lords have uh, two half-bonus, no, just straight-up two bonuses to their legions, or to their legion fleets. One being, uh, they do not have to pass a leadership check to fire on a ship that isn't the closest target if that ship is already crippled. Which is, uh, I'll let Austin explain uh, why, as far as a squadron tactic, that is terrifying. All right, so, uh, real quick, as Steven mentioned, if you're in BFG uh, and a weapon can target two ships, it naturally must target the closest Otherwise, it's a leadership check, which gets modified by all the usual stuff. Um, where this gets interesting, though, is if you have a squadron of ships, like three capital ships that all 
uh, activate under the same orders, that sort of thing, have to stay within coherency. If you shoot at a squadron, you're obliged to shoot at the closest ship, and you have no way to shoot at any of the other ones until that ship is destroyed. And that's supposed to represent the kind of three-dimensional positioning of the squadron, where ships are trying to cover each other from damage. Uh, the Night Lords get around that. And normally, when you have a squadron and somebody gets crippled, you kind of do a little shuffle and you put it out of harm's way. So yeah, you crippled my one ship, but now you're going to have to totally destroy this other ship before you can get that original like, crippled ship and uh, get all the points that that entails and you know, stops me from losing renown, all that sort of thing. Night Lords don't care. Night Lords will find you, Night Lords will murder you, and then wear your face while they murder all your friends. Couldn't have put it better myself. Brutal. Brutal. Hey guys, before we... We're going to keep this a little behind these rules, Stephen. Like, if they want to see what the rest of the Gloriana class battleships are, uh, and if they want to know what the Legion rules are, where can they find them? Uh, the Legion rules, and the, or rather the entire Heresy Fleetless document, can be found in uh, the Richmond 30k Dropbox under the Specialist Games folder. Uh, under Battlefleet Gothic, or it might be labeled Battlefleet Heresy. Uh, the document is there. It's called Heresy Fleet List. If you search the Heresy 30K, or Warhammer 30K, and the Battlefleet Gothic subreddits, uh, just search Horus Heresy, you will find uh, two posts in each with the Fleet List links. You can find it on the Richmond 30K website. Uh, we will be linking it there. And um, if you just PM one of us, I'm sure we can uh, we can find it for you. If also, you the uh, the Facebook page, Battlefleet Heresy. They're uh, oh yeah, the, that one. They're pinned to the top. Yes, the yes. so, Facebook page, Battlefleet Heresy, which is where we're hosting our campaign. It's going to be awesome, um, and we'll have all the rules uh, compended and pinned there as well. Um, Another played. note, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we do have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Make sure you like both of those. The Facebook group is where you'll be able to post your pictures, uh, share your painting projects, post any questions. The Facebook page is where we're going to post the events and keep all of our documentation live. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Will. Thanks. We're trying to keep it clean here, um, just in terms of what we're doing in the campaign. So. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And we've played a lot of these rules, guys. So we're not just making this up. I mean, we are making it up, but we've also play tested it. So um, there's a little bit of confidence that goes into this. Uh, Austin and Steven have play tested this over and over and over. Uh, we play tested it in our last campaign. Um, it, it, it's very balanced. But if you guys want to go ahead and take a, take a stab, um, play test it in your own group and then send us any feedback. I don't know, Austin, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I would love that. Uh, if somebody would like say, hey, you know, I just played a couple of games, White Scars or whatever, I played against this, this Legion fleet. Like, this is how it worked out. Uh, especially if any of you played Battlefleet Gothic before and kind of know the way the world works. Um, obviously, I mean, I still want to hear if it's your first game of GW plastic spaceships and you decided to test these out, uh, that would be really cool as well. Um, but yeah, man, just, sh just shoot a PM post on the blog or uh, on the Facebook page or uh, and it would be most appreciated. 
and awesome. pictures because I'm always down to see pictures of cool BFG stuff. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Send us your pictures. Crazy heresy era um, battle fleets, man. We're definitely psyched about that. So um, we've got about five more minutes, I guess. We're going to, in this segment, we're going to talk to Steven about, um, I don't know, Steven, what are we talking to you about right now? Uh, well, you know, I've been feeling really sad lately, but uh, I don't think you want to hear about that. Um, most of these rules that we were talking about here uh, pertain to individual battles, individual games and engagements of Battlefleet Gothic, but as we will swear up and down, Battlefleet Gothic is at its best when you're playing a campaign, and to that end, we have a few campaign rules as well, uh, or rather rules that relate to the aftermath of a campaign and the way the planets and battles and players interact with each other. Uh, all the way down at the bottom here. Uh, so, if you've ever played a Battlefleet Gothic campaign, you know that one of the things that you get at the end with your um, renown is appeals. And appeals can be used for things from refitting your ship to getting reinforcements, but there's also an ambiguously labeled quote-unquote other table. And initially, it's just kind of representing a myriad of different ways that you are assisted by your faction. Uh, the Chaos faction used to roll a whole bunch of gifts from the gods. The Imperial faction would get actual physical reinforcements. So we took a little bit of both and we mashed them up into the Heresy Appeals table. So if you're playing a, uh, a campaign using our Battlefleet Heresy rules, and you want to roll on the appeals table, you have a brand new one to use, and it is, of course, included in the heresy fleet list. Uh, these range from anything from getting a handful of escorts to maybe a cruiser from another fleet uh, to come and assist you, uh, because what this represents is you send out a distress signal or a call to, you know, however you want to thematically frame that to your buddies and say, hey, good eating over here, Come on and play. And they'll be like, all right, cool. It's been a while since we've hung out with, I guess, the Blood Angels. Let's go kick heretic asses with them. And so, you know, some Blood Angel ships will show up. Maybe it's just some Blood Angels escorts. Maybe it's a Blood Angels squad of Space Marines. Maybe it's the Red Tier, you know, and Sanguinius coming to help their good buddies. But that's all available for use. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What we're talking about, guys, is that's like such a battlefield campaign fucking awesome appeals and uh, very thematic and very cinematic. And thank you, Stephen, for that. Uh, and I think we will uh, we'll wrap it up there, guys, with, uh, with that segment. We'll be back for a little bit more. Um, but, uh, yeah, anybody else want to get in before I uh, close this one out? Oh, I will say one more thing that is funny. Um, for all of these other appeals charts, normally Rolling Snake Eyes was bad, and Stephen has made the heresy one no ex uh, no exception to that. Uh, if you do roll snake eyes, the opponent gets an extra 200 points to his fleet because somebody who wasn't supposed to read your notes read your note. Thought that yes. was yeah, uh, well, we can go ahead and read that word for word. Uh, snake eyes, deceived. Where the commander sought allies, he finds only enemies. Whether a contingent is not as loyal to the cause as previously expected or was long ago overcome by assailants from another quarter, no help can be found here, only death. In the player's next game, the enemy may include, for free, a single vessel or squadron of vessels that do not exceed 200 points. That's so perfect, man. I can't wait for this campaign to play out. Like, we're literally set in the very near 
like post calf post Istvan five heresy world. And we're going to get into that in our next segment. Like, where is, where are we, right? Like, where is this? What's happening? Um, so we're going to get into that with our next segment. Um, Will, who's the architect of D43, um, is going to join us. And we're going to talk about like just what's going on in this crazy world that Richmond 30K has created. So uh, hang out and uh, we'll be back in a second. All right, guys, uh, we're back for the wrap-up of this awesome special segment, which has been focused on Battlefleet Heresy and sort of what we're doing down here in Richmond. So with this last segment, we're going to go out to Will. Um, Will has been a huge part of the um, Richmond 30K community since its inception and has created a sort of a, a mini-verse within the heresy um and this mini verse is d43 so if you guys want to go into the fluff look at book five tempest um and within book five tempest there's a map called the ultima segmentum and you can get into there and you'll see a little secondary cluster uh which is like a triangle on the legend which says d43 and uh this is where uh richmond 30k and will has set all of our our our, uh, our mega battles and our narrative events for the last I don't know will what two three years? Uh, yeah, I, I think closer to four now. Yeah, man, awesome. Um, so, so yeah, so I mean, this is so. When I talk to Will about this, I mean this this Battlefleet Heresy campaign that we're going to run is 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 a unique um, opportunity to flesh out that that system, right? So D43 is a secondary cluster. Secondary cluster in sort of Warhammer terminology roughly equates to a subsector. So you're talking about potentially hundreds of systems and hundreds of, of uh, you know, planetary systems with mining worlds and forge worlds and um, hives and other orbitals. Uh, so it's just, a, it's, a, it's a very expansive system. You just heard us talk about the map. Austin talked about that, and uh, this is this is really, I think, an opportunity to just flesh that out. So, um, really, Will, I've talked enough about it. Over to you, man. Uh, okay, so we'll go ahead. I guess we'll start with the origins. I think on the very first episode when we talked about how we got into it, I did like a quick little two-minute blurb on it, but I'll get more into the details of it. So back when I was playing 30K. I've had started. There was nobody else that played 30k except for Jared, and he played Mech. Um, so we had to play against a lot of uh, 40k armies, and we played at a store called the Dragon's Den. Uh, now, since then, the Dragon Den has gone out of business, but they had a campaign called uh, Draconis Secundus, is what I think they called it, like a, a, the second dragon. I don't know. Anyways, so. I was like, I want to do something for 30k that's kind of like that. So for a while, I used Draconis system because it was taking place in the store. I was like two weeks, I think. And then I finally read book five, uh, was scrolling through there, saw the pages and saw this little triangle that said D43. And I was like, what is that? There's nothing on this D43 thing. And yet it, it's, it, it's important enough to have a flip on the map, you know? So 
with that, I did our first campaign was in a system, the Formino system. Uh, and the Formino system was uh, like a lot of industrial complex sort of thing. So there, there's a Promethean relay there. Uh, there's a lot, there was a lot of Mechanicum sort of Archaeotech where they had like, uh, for example, one of our mega battles was taking place on an uninhabited planet that was on the fringes of the of the system all right and it had gigantic planetary planetary thrusters on it that were initially designed to push the planet into the goldilocks zone however the traders decided they were going to use those thrusters to push that planet into the capital planet for minos uh, and they ended up succeeding, and they crashed a planet into the other planet, completely decimating the two of them. So now there's just like a debris belt right there. Um, but really, I just saw that bit in the book, D43, and from there, we just started coming up with crazy ideas. People would approach me, what if, what if this happened? What if we did this? And I just really let the players all dictate what they wanted, and we tried to you know, organize that into a game format, you know? And it's just amazing to see how far it's coming to actually see a map of it all now. And I'm just blown away with, you know, all the progression we've made in the mega battles and the events we've had and the, the campaigns themselves of 30K uh, all coming to fruition to actually see what the D4-3 looks like. And I'm super stoked for everything that's coming up. Is is the D4-3 the way that, like, the cool kids reference it? Am I saying it wrong? Uh, D4-3. D4-3? Yeah. All right. You said the D43, like it's like your area. Oh, well, That's for me it is. Yeah, I represent yeah. the D43. No. I'm I can feel the love. I can feel the love. What I think is great about this, Will, is, is that, you know, took something that Four had, which was like an Easter egg, right? Like a little secondary cluster in Book 5, which was, you know, next to the prohibited zone. And you looked at that and you said, I'm making this my own, man. I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it because it's open space, right? In terms of world building and this and this collective universe that we all participate in, you're like, I'm fucking taking that. And I'm going to go with it. And it's just, that's what this is. To me, That that's what this is all about, right? So like when we run a narrative campaign, whether it's a 30K mega battle or it's Battlefleet Heresy or it's a Zone Mortalis boarding action, like it's, like we're building on lore that we created because we fought this battle, you know, a year ago and the Formenna system. Yeah. That, you know, the capital world may be dead, but maybe there's a satellite offshoot or maybe there's there an is. underground like, archeology kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and you know, um, we can always like, you know, like you said, the planet may have been destroyed, but there is still so much more shit there. Like I said, the Mechanicum was deep in that system, and that gives us so much. It's just, it's just great because we have the sandbox. That's what I. That's what I like to refer to it as is a sandbox where we can just do whatever we want, and we have. We're not tied to. All right, make sure the players don't destroy this planet because then that ruins the whole campaign that we've written up to that point. You know, it's it makes it all like pointless it's like no that planet was destroyed this is a global or a galaxy-wide conflict that happens we need to move on to the next objective the next planet you know yeah no absolutely man and i think what this battle just expand that uh you know narrative miniverse and give people agency so um 
what we've done is we've incorporated all of the past events, all the past systems and worlds into this Battlefleet Heresy map of the uh, of the D43 subsector, and um, given it a name. I won't spoil it right now. You guys can check out our Facebook page um, and follow us as we go. But so for people that are playing this campaign, um, like like you guys. This is the narrative space that you have going forward and have some agency in that. So when you play your scenarios, if you're playing a, um, I don't know, Austin, what are some of the scenarios that we have? Like there's um, Planetary Assault, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the missions you can play in a game is Exterminatus. <laughs> Shit can get real. Um, or just like blockade runs and Planetary Assaults and fleet engagements. There is a ton of stuff that that I hope will like add to that that special sauce of D four three. Yeah, no, definitely, and and that's what informs you guys in your gaming community. But uh, really, I, I'm Will. This is about what you created, man. So um, if you have anything else you want to say, um, really, it's your format. Uh, man, I'm just super excited to see where this goes. And I've al- that's always been my favorite part, is to just let the players figure out what is happening. Um, and it's all persistent. There's no, like, like, sure, there's been times I've wanted to retcon that Formenos didn't get destroyed, but I feel like then that would make that game meaningless. And if you're going to spend time and do all the planning and playing and painting of an army and that, I want it to have purpose, I guess. You know what I mean? So, uh... Yeah, I never want to retcon anything. If people decide that they want to destroy an entire planet, then that's that's their deal, man. You know, that's their thing. They can totally do that. Yeah, and just working within that narrative arc, like if you know, like Kalth, right? Like Kalth was a thriving, like beautiful hive world that got um, basically irradiated and blown up. But it's still, you know, there was an ongoing campaign there in the archaeology. So. Just having the having this the the sort of the ability to change spaces and say okay, um, so we're no longer fighting a mega battle here. We're fighting a zone mortalis battle in the under archaeologies of Calth exactly. or whatever yeah. you know, or we're fighting on a space station or we're fighting on a satellite. You know, like yeah, just just be 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 you know be free with it, man, and be cool and. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really rewarding, and I'm super excited to do this, and uh, I'm just really excited to see where it goes. Same here, man. I am. First off, I'm just super excited to be getting into BFG. Second off, seeing everything from the past four years, somebody finally making a map out of it. It's awesome. Yeah, there's one thing I like doing. It's making, especially when I get to pretty much make up about half. Yeah. Solid. So there's a large part we just don't know what the fuck is there. And uh, talking a little bit about uh, talking a little bit to Austin about that, and uh, we'll just have to figure it out. We'll have to explore. So when you guys get there uh, in your Battlefleet Heresy campaign, um, you may just want to roll that uh, planetary assault mission so you can find out what that's about, or maybe use that as a narrative arc to uh, send an exploratory fleet down there. But yeah, we're really going to expand this, and I and I think we're going to really add a lot to um, the background and the lore uh, of this little world we're playing in, guys. So um, there's a lot more to come. Thanks for following along, 
Uh, I hope we uh, are able to entertain you guys a little bit if you can't at least come down and play with us. If you can come down and play with us, um, all of our events are always open and all of our events are always posted um, on our events page at least two to three months out, right? So we don't just drop events. We put a lot of time yeah, and effort yeah. into playing. People have to request time off for work and find babysitters <laughs> and that kind of stuff, you know? Exactly. So, so yeah, so if you guys want to come down and play with us, if you're, like, you know, on the eastern seaboard and you're bored, um, yeah, our events are posted by, I mean, Will, what? I mean, we've got events posted out to October right now, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, uh, join our Facebook page, uh, Richmond 30K. Um, it's not exclusive to Richmond. It's a Horace Heresy community. Join our fucking page and uh, come play with us. Play with us. And I yeah, think you heard the fucking man. Do it. Join the page. <laughs> join the page. And you know, seriously, guys, if we get enough people um, that start coming down on a regular basis from outside the area. Uh, we've talked about this before, but we may end up uh, doing like a weekend thing. Um, yeah, maybe. we'd totally love to, but yeah. I feel like we need more out-of-towners to justify because right now we have maybe four or five guys come out of town, and we can usually bunk them up in our places, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if we start getting more than that, we're going to reach critical mass of floor space at some people's places and uh, definitely need a hotel, guys. Yeah, so make us do that is what I'm saying. Yeah, make us be better and, and uh, make us be like the off-season Nova and uh, Adepticon destination of choice. Um, we'll, we'll do whatever you guys want uh, in terms of events and, and gameplay. Uh, we'll be the host, but uh, you guys have to let us know what you want. So uh, that said, Will, is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of uh, you know where we're at? No, sir. I am uh, pretty set. Uh, I look forward to seeing all the crazy shit out there because the wear, the wear of D43 is right next to a wormhole sort of thing that's blacklisted. It's right next to the Ultima system. Or is it Ultimar system? Um, yeah, the Segmentum Ultima. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, so it's a little bit on the edge of explored and not explored, so who knows what kind of relics we're going to find, what kind of just crazy things that are going to happen from it, you know? Oh, yeah, man. The fucking future is wide open. Can't wait. Can't wait to get into it. Um, all right, guys. Hey, thanks. Uh, this is going to wrap up our last segment. We're going to be back in uh, just a minute with uh, plugs and closing closing statements. Thanks for hanging out. Hang out with us for a few more minutes. We'll be right back. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the special segment, Remembrancers Retreat, Battlefleet Heresy. Closing, we're going to do some plugs, we're going to do some shout-outs, and uh, then we're going to say goodnight. So, uh, Robbie, uh, any plugs and shout-outs for you, sir? Uh, not, not really a plug or a shout-out, just a little uh, you know, reminder to people that are getting into VFH uh, because uh, I know I was there when I first started, I was like, what the heck do I even do to get started? Uh, if you join the page and join the group, you know, there's there's all more than a handful of guys that are, are ready to answer your questions. So if you're sitting and you're like, do I want to play this game? I don't really know how to start. Get with the people that know how to get it going and we'll, we'll get your wings going. We'll let you learn how to fly and we'll start you off easy. 
Uh, we'll help you build your fleet. We'll tell you where to get your models. You know, you don't always have to go buy secondhand stuff. You know, if you're unsure, come ask us because if, you know we got a little bit more know-how. We want to teach you guys. We want everybody to know how to play this game because that means we'll have more people to play with. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Yeah, absolutely, guys. If you need a little help or reach out and tweet out. Um, absolutely, hit us up. So, uh, thanks, Robbie. That's awesome. Uh, Will, back to you, sir. Uh, well, just uh, check me out on Lancaster Painting. You're about to start seeing um, some Battlefleet Gothic up there. Uh, and then uh, also, that's that's really it. That's all I've got going on, man. I'm just studying right now for an exam coming up. But uh, once that's done, I'll be back in full gear painting again. And okay. uh, yeah, uh, you have something, don't you, David? I do. I have something that uh, that Ryan okay, sent a charity fund for uh, the Maryland Food Food Bank, uh, and they're, uh, let me see, when is it, is it uh, next week, week after that? Hmm, it's coming up, <laughs> so check out the uh, Maryland 30K uh, page uh, and Facebook page, and you'll be able to find out when it's coming up, but... Uh, it's going to be an awesome event, guys. It's going to be an escalation type event where the first game is a uh, thousand to twelve thousand fifty points of Zone Mortalis. The second game is going to be a fifteen point, uh, fifteen hundred point Centurion game, and then the third game is going to be a twenty five hundred to three thousand point game with normal Lord of War allocations allowed. So, um, should be a good time if you can make it. Uh, the entry fee is five cans of food. Uh, there will be prizes. The prizes that Ryan sent me are 10 Mark III Marines, which are harder and harder to find these days, so definitely you want to get up there for that. Those are Nuon Sprue, uh, Plastic Betrayal at Kalth Contemptor. Uh, you never have too many of those. New in Box, Praetor Tribune. It's going to be awesome. Ooh. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right? That's a is that a that's a character series, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the uh, special ones that was only available at the Games Workshop store. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and then they're offering a Land Raider kit and a Forge World Pintle Mountain weapon set. So there's going to be a ton of prizes there, guys. If you can get down for this, and I will, uh, I apologize. I'm trying to find the date right now, but uh, I think it's July 21st. If I, is it? I think so. Okay. I don't want to be like solid, and that's not on the record, even though this is being recorded. Uh, I just think that it is. It is. It's the twenty first of July. No, you're 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 spot on. Okay, so twenty first of July. So you guys have a few weeks to plan. Twenty um, first of July, Maryland thirty k. Uh, don't have the location, but if you want to email Bo. Uh, Bo Hayward is the event organizer, and you can link up with him at Bo Hayward One at Comcast.net, uh, or you can just sign up at the Maryland 30K event page. Um, and uh, yeah, it should be an awesome, awesome time, guys, and uh, for a good cause. So oh, yeah, yeah. And if the entry fee is just five cans, you should definitely bring more than that, though, because you know, this is to a good cause. You're going to go play some heresy, have a good time. Okay, just go through your cabinets. You got stuff that you're, you're not even going to cook for dinner. Pull that shit out and give it to a good cause. 
Yeah. And please don't bring expired stuff. That's something I got to mention. Too many times at schools, you have parents bringing in their expired canned foods. Make sure it's good. And uh, yeah, exceed the standard. Do not meet the standard. Exceed it, everybody. Absolutely. This is the heresy community. So uh, bring in the good stuff and uh, represent. Um, so that's my, uh, that's my shout out for Ryan. And uh, I will just plug one last thing here. Uh, we are the uh, Remembrancers Retreat. 30k podcast um we are not doing any kind of patreon or uh crowdfunding so if you guys would like to support us really the only way you can do that is uh uh, give us a good shout out on your facebook groups um or uh buy some stickers on our uh facebook shop uh we're building more and more merch yeah yeah we're, we're we're building more and more merch but uh and we don't really know what you guys want. So if there's something you want that you don't see, um, we've got stickers, we've got magnets, um, but it's all. So the way it works is Shopify doesn't really let me uh, fully customize uh, what I can offer. So if there's something that you want, if you want one of each, if you want five of each, man, if you want a hundred of each, I don't fucking care. Like just shoot me up and I will build it for you so you can buy it. Um, and uh, we certainly appreciate it because uh, all that goes to either paying artists uh, who are a huge part of this community or funding what we can do in, in terms of events and uh, supporting this podcast. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, that's all I got. Anybody else? That's it. Thanks, guys. We do appreciate it. Cheers. All right, guys. Have a good night. See you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>